Second Timothy chapter two, I a little introduction here, kind of, of, of what the theme of our, our sermon is this morning. Uh, Michelle and I, one of the things that we enjoy doing together uh, is going to baseball games. Uh, my wife, Michelle, is a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. Uh, most of you know this. If you've spent any time around her at all, she's just very, very uh, vocal about uh, her, her love for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. And um, it's, it's just a, a deep family heritage that she has. It's something that her family uh, did together. Her growing up as a little girl, they would go to these Cardinals baseball games and uh, just a big, a big deal. Um, and uh, I, you know, I grew up little league and did all that, but baseball was never really my, my favorite sport. I, I enjoyed playing, but, um, but now I'm not like Michelle and her family. So I've had to grow in my love for baseball. Uh, so we, we go to baseball games a lot of times. Uh, we'll, we'll try to go to a Cardinals baseball game uh, every year or so. And um, one thing that is I've watched the baseball game unfold that I've noticed and I've learned over time is every time a batter, there's kind of a ritual, you know, the batter goes to the batter's box, does some practice swings. But every time they step up to the plate, they announce them, right? Um, and not not just say, hey, here's their name, but they have a song, at least at professional games. They always have music that plays uh, for that player when they step up to get ready to bat. And uh, whenever they play their song, I, I listen through, you know, go through all the way through the batting order, and I listen through, they're all different songs. So it's not the same song, and every player gets just the same song that everybody else does. They all have their own song. And I th- I've often thought about that. I thought... Do they pick that out? Do they pick out their song? Do they get to pick that? Somebody, I don't know if anybody knows that or not, but I'm thinking, well, they must get to pick their own song that announces their step up to the plate. And, and as I'm thinking about all this, I'm thinking, you know, it, it reminds me of like a king, right? So when a king enters the room, a lot of times there's a proclamation or a herald that goes before them. A lot of times, maybe even a music. So, you know, especially in, you'll see this maybe in movies or cartoons, uh, when the king walks into the room, you know, they've got the trumpets, you know, and you know, and they're blowing the trumpets for the king as the king enters in, uh, to announce his royal presence. Um, and I, I was thinking about that. I was like, well, I think baseball must be the only sport that does that. Uh, but then I thought, oh, wait a minute. No, no, it's different in baseball because each player kind of has their own song. But other sports do this as well. And I thought, hey, as the Woodward Boomers get ready to take the field on Friday night, they have a song, don't they? Uh, if you've ever been to a Woodward Boomers game, they, they, I don't know who picked the song, but, but they've got a song. And it announces their entrance onto the field. And it's the same song every week at a home game, right? It's the same song and it, it's, it's the boomer song, you know, it's, it's their song. And, uh, and, and I even got started thinking even deeper about this. I like, you know, it's, it's even a little bit more fancy than that, depending on the sport. Um, and so, some of the, I think probably the most, I've been to a few NBA basketball games, but 
NBA really, I mean, they really do this up. I mean, it's not just music, okay? It's, it's bigger than music. It's, it's pyrotechnics. It's the fog machine filling the stadium with smoke, right? And, I mean, it's a huge display of here comes our team. Here they come. Everybody on your feet, you know? And it's just this huge show and spectacle as the team enters and I, I started this, this is a little, I'm going to have a little fun with you now. Uh, so what if, what if you and I, okay, everywhere we went, someone announced our entrance. All right. So we have our own herald. We have our own jukebox, our own music. And, you know, so you go to work tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Jeff Squibb walks onto the job site. The Woodward Christian Academy music is blaring, pronouncing his arrival. I don't know what song it would be, but but it's blowing. It's going big, right? And maybe some maybe some pyrotechnics. I think you'd probably have to do some pyrotechnics at the academy. But so he walks onto the work site, you know, dun, dun, dun. and maybe Jeff has choreographed a little dance to go along with. <laughs> With his entrance to the job site, you know, and he, so he's kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of pointing the finger and here he is, you know, you know, definitely Fred would have pyrotechnics at his job site because that's kind of part of his job is the not really pyrotechnics. He told me one time I was asking him about explosions and stuff because we wanted to do the youth ministry, you know, blowing stuff up videos and stuff. And he said, he says, well, he says, really with, with what my job is. You never really get to see the explosions. If you do it right, you don't ever get to see any of the explosions. It's, it's happening way underground. And so that's a good day. A bad day is when you get to see the explosion at my job. So, uh, but yeah, so imagine you have this song following you as you get to your work site. Or maybe you go to a restaurant, you know, again, and the music plays as you walk in. So everywhere you go... And, as I think about that a little bit more, I think too much probably. <laughs> but I thought, maybe, maybe it's not a song. But when we enter a room, I think, I think maybe we have the ability to somewhat set the mood of the room. Our presence, the way we carry ourselves, maybe our posture as we walk in, maybe the words we speak, the way we treat people around us? Is it possible that maybe there's a spirit or a, a, a posture that we can actually influence the atmosphere of a room with our presence for good or for bad, for good or for bad here? And here's, here's, here's the danger here. And this is where I want to kind of go this morning is, uh, if our song is all about us and about our glory, uh, we're missing it. We're really missing it. Uh, I borrowed this uh, musical instrument from my friend Robin, Robin Ayler. A lot of you guys know he is the music man at our church. He, if there's an instrument, he's got it. He's got some of the most unique things. And so I was like, Robin, do you got a kazoo I could borrow? So let me see if I can play this for you. This is, this, if, if your song's about you, Okay. That's what it sounds like. All right. That's what it sounds like. Silly, right? Pathetic. 
that's our song. If that's the song that we're marching to, if that's the song of our life, and there's a bigger song that God's made us to walk in and for our lives to be about, and that song is is the song of the gospel and the story of the gospel. Uh, that's the kind of guy Paul was. I think that was the theme song of his life was the gospel. Um, so let's look at here, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 1 through 10. We're going to kind of get a run at, at this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of all the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Verse 8 is kind of our, our focus verse this morning. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal, with eternal glory. Let's pray together. Father, as we, uh, as we reflect and, and look on, on this letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy this morning, uh, and as we uh, talk about theme songs and, and have, have a little fun with that, uh, Lord, there's a very serious question at the bottom of all this. And, and that question is, uh, what is the theme song of our lives? Um, Lord, um, you, you see into us, you see into our hearts, um, God, you know the things that we're living for. Uh, you know the things that uh, that in our hearts and in our minds are buzzing around all day long. And Lord, uh, I, I ask, very seriously, I ask for help, God. Um, I ask that you would make the gospel um, so much a part of my life and, and that my heart and my mind would be so saturated with its truths that that people would be able to hear it, that people would be able to see it in my life in a real, tangible way. Lord, I pray, um, God, that as we meet together this morning, that, that you might help us to understand how maybe we can more and more make, uh, make the song of our lives uh, just echo uh, with the glory of Jesus. Uh, we just ask this in the name of of Jesus, our, our Savior, our King. Amen. So this letter, kind of in a little bit of a way of review, just a, a reminder, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul wrote this to Timothy, a young pastor uh, in the city of Ephesus. And um, I like to do this in my Bible study time because I think it helps helps the words become a little bit more real to me. Um, it helps me to be gripped by the reality of, of what this letter, uh, the context of this letter. And so Paul wrote this letter from prison. Uh, he was in a Roman prison and uh, 
He was chained. Uh, we, he talks about that. He talks about being bound in chains in verse 9. Uh, so, so as he's writing this letter, the reality of it is, is, I don't know if he had chains around his wrists or around his feet, but there was probably the sound of steel chains clanging or being dragged on the stone floor or the stone table that he was writing this letter on. Um, man, that he took the time in horrible conditions to pen this letter uh, to the young man Timothy says something. Uh, it says something about that relationship. Paul's saying, all right, I, I, can't, I can't go to Timothy. What can I do? What can I do to encourage this young pastor? What can I do to encourage my son in the faith? And so, well, I can write a letter. I'm going to write him a letter. I'm going to encourage him. Timothy would probably have received this letter. Uh, a surprise visitor traveling from Rome would come and uh, probably be somebody maybe that Timothy knew, maybe not. Uh, but the guy would maybe come and he'd be carrying a piece of parchment or papyrus uh, rolled up and he would bring it to Timothy and say, hey, this is something from the Apostle Paul and it has your name on it. This is addressed to you. And then he would hand it to Timothy. So Timothy would probably receive this rolled up piece of parchment or whatever it is that he wrote on. And I want you to think about this. Before Timothy has even opened this letter up, a message has been sent. I don't know if you've ever got a letter in the mail or, or, or something like that, maybe on a special occasion or maybe you're going through a hard time. And all you got to do is know who it's from. And it's already touched you, hasn't it? <laughs> it's already said something to you. That person took time to write some stuff down. They've been thinking about me. This letter's just kind of a, a manifestation of lots of thoughts, maybe lots of prayers that have gone up for me. And now I have it <laughs> in my hand. And so there's this anticipation, this encouragement that's already come to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. So he reads, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Does that seem funny to you that Paul is telling Timothy, a pastor, to remember Jesus? Maybe, maybe a little obvious. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Paul, I remember Jesus. That's... That's what I'm doing here in Ephesus, right? I'm teaching people about Jesus. Um, maybe seem a little redundant or uh, silly. But I don't think it probably would have seemed silly to Timothy at all. Um, I, 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 was, I was thinking about this. I, I think these words would come off the page at Timothy like a familiar song. You ever, you ever driving along in the car or, or maybe, maybe you're at work and the radio's playing and you hear just one note. That's all it takes. It's just one note, one musical note, one word. And all of a sudden you find yourself singing along. It's just so familiar to you. It's just so, it's so real and alive to you. You're just like, man, I love this song. I think that's how it was for Timothy when he read those words. Yeah, this is Paul. <laughs> This is what Paul's about. He's about this song. The music of the gospel is saturating the life of, of Paul. 
If you spent much time with Paul, you knew his song because he was always singing it. He was always singing about the wickedness of the human heart, demanding the just wrath of God to fall. And God's radical love that had come down in Jesus to die on the cross, resurrecting from the dead, conquering sin and conquering death, reconciling us to a holy God so that we could move from being enemies of God to being sons and daughters of God. I think Timothy would hear that loud and clear coming off the pages at him. It was his song too, I think. I think it had become Timothy's song because of the time he had spent with Paul because of God's work in Timothy's heart. I was reminded this week about something I'd seen a while ago on Facebook People occasionally post questions on Facebook. If I know there's a lot of you in here that are, are on Facebook. I see you on there. Um, and, and so pe- people post these questions, just different fun questions. And one question I saw a while back was, what would your theme song be? Has anybody ever seen that one on Facebook? Uh, it was a while ago. Somebody posted that. And I was like, oh, I wonder. So I, I tried to go back on my timeline and see if I could find that thread again and see if I could find and see what people would put. And I was going to share with you what theme songs people put and embarrass some people in here. Uh, but uh, I couldn't find it. So, so sorry to disappoint you there. Um, but I did find something else as I was kind of doing a little research on that. I found there's an app for the iPhone called My Own Theme Song. Um, anybody got that app in here? You know, don't raise your hand, okay? Because I'm going to embarrass you. No. Um, so uh, here is the description of it. I think I might have a picture of it back there, Kenny, in the, in the uh, underneath uh, for 2 Timothy 2, uh, 1 through 10. There's a picture there. It's, I think if you push, push play on it, it'll pop up here on the screen maybe. Um, yeah, there it is at my own theme song. That's the little app icon that you get on your iPhone. Um, and so let, let me read you the description of this thing. This is kind of a, a fun description it says, uh, tired of your boring life. Ever wondered what it feels like to be in a video game. I really haven't wondered about that one. That's kind of weird, but still wondering how come those peeps in the cartoon have it so much easier than you. Then stop asking yourself all those useless questions and spice things up now with my own theme song, the awesome new app that brings your wildest dream come true. Have a theme song. Yes, you too can have your own theme song that goes with your daily activity. Start by selecting your mood. So you can pick, I guess, your, so if you're happy, pick happy, angry, heroic. Then it all works in a few easy steps. Lock the app, put it in your pocket, or your socks, run, walk, take a nap, wait for the bus, have fun with your significant other, and there you go. You are now the star, just like in the movies. So I guess it plays music for you as you walk around your daily life and daily activities. Um, I, when I read that, I was like, wow, you know? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. That just doesn't sound like that really would work, but maybe, maybe. Um, and and the, the other thought I had was, don't I have a big enough ego already? <laughs> do, do I really need somebody to inflate me more, you know? And, oh, yeah, now I've got, like, my own theme song, and I'm walking around, and I've got music to fit my mood and my activities. Um, 
You know, and I thought, you know, I, I've got one of those apps built in my brain. Anybody else got one of those in, my, in your brain that plays all day long? Just this buzzing of, you know, hey, you, you, that person shouldn't have treated you that way. That was really mean. Or, man, you are awesome. Look what you did. Man, people should be, like, clapping for you right now. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I thought about some scenarios I thought would be fun to share with you. You know, I think about I ride mountain bikes in the morning with Randall back there and, and with Pastor Jason. And, and so we're riding along the trail, you know, and Randall likes to do this thing. I haven't told the other services this. I'm going to tell you this because cause he's here. So, But he does this thing where uh, he'll wait for a key part of the trail, uh, and especially if you're getting close to him, where there's no passing. And he'll like break check you, making sure you're paying attention so that you kind of bump into him. And he's trying to get you to kind of to get off the trail or to fall off so he can get ahead. Um, and so, so when Randall does that, you know, there's evil villain music playing in my head, right? I mean, here, here's this guy trying to, you know, get me to wreck my bike. And, uh, you know, and then when I pass him, you know, what song is playing, right? There's, you know, the eye of the tiger or, you know, or uh, something, some chariots of fire. There you go. Yeah. You know, you you have the same music that I do. That, <laughs> so, so yeah. So you pass him and it's like, yes, you know, I've done it, you know, uh, the other day at McDonald's, and so if you're at McDonald's, I need to probably ask your forgiveness already. But I'm sharing this because you need to understand that the gospel is very real in my life. I am a sinner, okay? Uh, and, and so I'm sinning all day long and, and battling in this very real battle uh, to tr- trust Christ. And uh, so I'm at McDonald's, and uh, Saturdays are notorious at McDonald's for just just a line that is really long. If you've ever tried to get breakfast on Saturday mornings at McDonald's, you know the line goes all the way to the door, right? Out the door. And I think our McDonald's does lines different than any other McDonald's in the USA. Uh, For some reason, that's just the way you do the line at our McDonald's. The other McDonald's, everybody just kind of goes up to the counter and you have different lines where everybody's kind of waiting in line. But our McDonald's line all the way out the door. So somebody walks in the door and uh, they're not from Woodward, probably, I'm assuming. And they just walk right up to the counter. The counters are open, right? So they just walk right up there and uh, they're, they're ready to order. And, and so when they do that, you know, me and probably everybody else in line, uh, you know, we're looking at that person like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Right? And so evil villain music starts playing there. Um, but, you know, before I get too far along, you know, I'm, I'm above this, right? So uh, I'm a good person and I'm not going to get angry. I'm just going to be forgiving and gracious. And so noble music begins to play uh, in my, my little app in my head. And, and I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, Monday mornings, okay? Uh, this is another scenario. Uh, I'm in my office. I'm sitting at my desk working on something oh so important, right? Uh, must be important. I have an important job. So I'm doing some important project. Pastor Jason walks in. And this happens occasionally. Um, not as much as it used to, but he'll come into my office and, and he'll be like, Hey, Pastor Andrew, when you get a minute, can you help me with my computer? Uh, it's not doing something right. I need your help. So, you know, automatically, you know what happens, right? <laughs> pull my shirt open to reveal the capital letter A on my chest, right? Super Andrew to the rescue. The music starts to play. Dum, da, 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 dum, 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 dum. 
And here he comes to the rescue. I think it's safe to say that the song that Paul sang everywhere he went was probably not those songs. <laughs> uh, I think Paul was a guy that the gospel just was such a part of his life that the music, um, the beautiful melody that, that surrounded his life was just the reality of the gospel. Um, wherever he went, people ruled by sin would turn into people who were alive in Christ. Uh, and, and they would begin singing a new song because the gospel had transformed them. And as these believers would go out into their communities, into their homes, into their workplaces, a new song would be in their hearts and in their lives. Uh, a, a new melody, the melody of the gospel. And they would transform their homes. They would transform their workplaces. And soon, the whole community was transformed because homes were turned into churches Workplaces were turned into churches and became places of worship. So again, here's the question we're wrestling with this morning. What is the theme song of your life? What is the music? What is the melody that surrounds you as you walk through your day? Is it the music of the gospel? We've been working through uh, with the youth on Sunday mornings uh, through the Old Testament. So we started in Genesis and we just started working through it. And uh, we've recently been in First and Second Samuel. And uh, so we looked at the life of King Saul and King David and, and some of these guys. And uh, it's been really cool. And so I, I, I've been thinking a lot about King Saul. And I think, man, I want us to kind of look at King Saul because I think King Saul is a really helpful contrast uh, to the Apostle Paul. Um, and they have a name that's really similar. You know, Paul actually used to be Saul. Uh, his name was Saul before he became a Christian. And at some point he changed it to Paul. And, and, and so, so anyway, so we're going to look at King Saul here in the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter 20 is where I'm going to ask you to turn. And uh, kind of give you a little background on what's going on. Is uh, King Saul has recently found out that Samuel, the prophet, has anointed King David, uh, David, the son of Jesse, to be the next king. And um, so his response is jealousy, anger, bitterness. Um, Jonathan, however, Saul's son, the guy that I guess if you're kind of doing the whole monarchy thing, uh, the king thing, uh, he would be kind of the prince. Uh, and so the king, the king elect or the king to come uh, after Saul gets done serving his time as king. And Jonathan's response to David is very different than his father's. Jonathan's like, yes, I love David. And David's heart is a heart like mine. And he was just excited about what God was doing. And, and uh, Jonathan had a heart, I think, that uh, like Paul, man, it sang, it sang with the choruses of heaven. He was in line with God's plan. Um, however, Saul's heart was very different. Uh, again, anger, bitterness. Let's read this. Uh, verses 30 through 34 of 1 Samuel 20. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, you, are, you, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send... And bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul his father, 
Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. So here's Saul flying into this rage because his plan to kill David has got messed up. <laughs> what is the, where's this bitterness coming from? Where's this rage coming from? So much so that he's even thrown a spear at his own son, trying to kill his son, I guess. I, I'm not sure what he was trying to do there. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure how that would work out. Okay, kill the prince, right? Then you don't have an heir to your throne. Well, I'm not sure. I think he was just so angry, he just couldn't control himself. Why was he so angry? His music was not the music of heaven. (laughs) The song in his heart was his own song. He was focused on, hey, I'm the king. I want people to see me enter the room. I want people to be about me and my glory. Although David was a loyal subject and doing more good for his kingdom and for the people of God than any of Saul's other men. All Saul could hear was his own song. I'm going to close with another song here, uh, kind of as we move to our, our time of closing. This is in the book of Revelation. And, uh, and this, is a, uh, this is a song or a proclamation that's coming. Um, but in, in another sense, I think that this is also a song and a proclamation that is ongoing. It, it's going on right now. Uh, this is about Jesus. Um, Revelation 11, verses 15 um, through 19. Let me read this to you. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and to those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. So how's that for an entrance, right? How's that for an introduction? Uh, that day's a day that's coming. Uh, and, and in some ways, it's a day that is very real and in, in right now. Uh, Jesus is on his throne, is he not? Uh, he is reigning. He is the king He is the king of kings. Is that the music that as you're going through your day, you're hearing? Jesus, Savior, King of kings. Kind of as we we close, I think the question that that maybe needs to be answered for us as as believers is, so how how do we make sure how do we make sure that that's the music that's playing 
in our lives as we go through our day. Because if you're like me, it's not. It's just, I'm just being honest. It's, it's not that way every day. I, I, there's times where I really lose focus and, and I'm, not, I'm not living for the Lord like I should. I'm not thinking about the things of the gospel like I should. Um, maybe I've got bitterness in my heart towards somebody or towards something. Frustrated with the way my day is going. So uh, how, do we, how do we help ourselves there? What can we do as, as Christians? Uh, one of the books that has been really helpful for me, uh, this was just eye-opening when I first read this. This is a book by uh, a guy named, he's a pastor. Uh, his name is C.J. Mahaney. He's wrote a book called The Cross-Centered Life. And he gives just some really cool advice. Um, the first thing he says is, in the words of Jerry Bridges, this is another pastor, he quotes, preach the gospel to yourself every day. So basically he says, find ways every day to preach to yourself the message of the gospel, to remind yourselves of the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus has promised he's going to do. Find ways to remind yourself of of those truths, of those realities every day. And so then he goes on to to kind of give some examples of some ways to preach the gospel to ourselves. Uh, Number two, he says... Find gospel-saturated passages of Scripture and commit them to memory. So take, take a passage of Scripture that's just full of the gospel and memorize that dude and, and put it in your mind and in your heart. Read it every day. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And uh, Chris Tomlin actually sings a song about it, uh, but, but it's, it's this thing of... He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, and, and that passage of scripture, man, that's rich with gospel truth. Jesus was not a sinner. <laughs> Jesus was not a rebel against God. But he took our place as rebels and took the wrath of God on himself. So what? So we could be given his righteousness and so that we could even receive the honor and the privilege of sonship, being sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did. Find gospel-rich passages like that. Uh, another way I, the way I kind of wrote that in my sermon is, make the Bible your songbook. Make the Bible your songbook. So, uh, you know, you got favorite songs that you like to listen to. And what happens after you listen to those songs over and over again? You start to memorize them, don't you? Uh, they, they are in your heart. They're in your mind. Even as you go throughout the day, I don't know if you're like this, but there's times where I'm not even listening to the radio or anything. And all of a sudden I'll, I'll kind of, I'm singing. What, what am I singing? You know, because I'm singing a song that I've, 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 I've memorized. Um, make the Bible your songbook so that the word of God is, and the gospel is that song that's going in on in your heart all day long. Uh, number three, pray the gospel. Uh, so what's it look like to pray the gospel? Well, one of, the, one of the big things about praying the gospel is, I think, just accepting the reality of, all right, I'm getting ready to communicate with God here. And that's impossible <laughs> apart from what Jesus did. Jesus is the one who's opened up the privilege of prayer, right? Uh, otherwise, I'm an enemy of God. I can't talk to God apart from the reality of what Jesus has done. Um, Jesus is the one who's made it possible for us to have that kind of intimate relationship with the king. 
with the King of Kings, a holy and perfect God. Number four, sing the gospel. I like this one. I like to sing. I like songs. And, and as I said earlier in my sermon, or at the beginning of my sermon, after we got done worshiping and singing some of those great hymns, I'm just like, man, the gospel is all over that hymn. I love that hymn. That's some great words of truth. Um, so, so pick songs that remind you of the gospel and, and sing those songs. Make those songs a part of your day. Um, there's a song called love lifted me. Uh, we used to sing it when I was growing up, uh, at, at my church. I was kind of one of the first times I heard it was growing up at a little Baptist church in Potosi, Missouri. And, uh, and, and this is the words of that song. It's uh, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now. Saved am I. Love lifted me. I saw some of you singing along. That's a rich, that's some rich gospel truth. Who's the master of the sea? It's Jesus, right? It's talking about Jesus. Uh, another song that's, this is a little bit more of a, uh, a recent song, but it's actually based on a, another old hymn. Um, it's called Nothing But the Blood. This is a, a chorus that a guy named Matt Redman has written. He, he says, your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. What can wash away our sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash us pure as snow? Welcomed as the friends of God. Nothing but your blood. Nothing but your blood, King Jesus. Great reminders of rich gospel truths that I need. I need all throughout my day. Uh, the last thing uh, that I think is helpful that he shared was study the gospel. Um, now, you know, I know the gospel in, in some ways, um, there's some great simple truths there. John 3.16, right? We... Probably a lot of us have that verse memorized. We, you know, maybe can recite that from memory. Uh, those are rich truths, and we need to be thankful for how God has revealed some of the gospel to us already. But don't be satisfied with what you know. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. There's so much more. The gospel is deep and rich. I mean, there is so much there to know about God's grace in our lives and, and God's promises to us. So don't be satisfied with just knowing a little bit. Dig deep. There's more there. Uh, read books of the Bible like Romans and Galatians. Some hard books, some hard truths, but study it. Um, Christians, we should never outgrow the message of the gospel. This is, uh, I kind of moved this in my sermon uh, to close with. Um, I just felt like it might be a little more appropriate. Uh, but there's, there's probably a reality here this morning uh, that some of us maybe the song of the gospel, it's, it's not our song. That's not the song of our life. That's not the music of our life. Um, we are writing our own music. And uh, we're trying to make our own music that is what life is all about. And uh, we're playing our own song. We're ignoring God's song. We don't want to hear God's song. We're like King Saul. 
And as much as we may try to convince ourselves that the universe revolves around us, when we play our own song, it doesn't ring true. It's hollow. It's empty. Uh, it's incomplete. Uh, I remember my life before Jesus, and, and I tried to compose my own song. You know, I was trying to live life on my own, apart from apart from God. And I would add different notes, you know, because I realized, hey, it's not enough. This isn't right. So I'd add different things, try to make it better. Uh, sports, girlfriends, money, pornography, religious morality, desperately wanting to believe that I was somehow going to find the right combination and it would finally ring true. But eventually it just became oppressive to me because I realized the harder I tried, it wasn't true. It wasn't real. It wasn't who I was supposed to be. It wasn't enough. It was, it was rebellion against God and it was sin. But Jesus was at work. In spite of my rebellion, in spite of my sin, Jesus was at work in my life. And he'd put some people in my life that were mar- marching to a, the beat of a different drum. Uh, that's kind of an expression that we use. But these people were. Uh, I could hear in their lives the melody of heaven. I could see in their lives a different song, a different way of looking at life. And it was beautiful. Let me tell you that. It was attractive to me because I knew, man, there's something real. That resounds. Their life resounds. And my life is flat. (laughs) My life is meaningless. But their life has meaning. Something deep and rich that's bigger than them. And so as I watched these people's lives I started to hear the music of heaven, (laughs) kind of an analogy. It was distant. It was far off at first. But then as God was working in my life, opening my ears, gradually I began to hear it. And I could hear it more and more, louder and louder. And Jesus opened my ears and rescued me and brought me into his masterpiece. I was reading this week in the 40th Psalm of David, and uh, I'd heard this psalm quoted by uh, an author in a book. And, and I thought, wow, that, that's a really cool passage of scripture. I think that really, really ties in to what we're talking about this morning and, and really ties into what I feel like God did in my life to rescue me from my sin. Um, psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Hear that? He put a new song in my mouth. Many will see and fear and put trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Uh, I've heard, uh, again, different commentators talk about this last verse here. You have given me an open ear. And he says in the Hebrew, it carries the idea of God has dug ears. 
basically where there are no ears, God has dug and made ears. Uh, And that's definitely true of my life where God has dug ears, opened up, given me ears so that I can hear, I can hear the music of the gospel and the truth of, of, of who Christ is and what he's done.